0: Let's have some prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing and um Lord, I just pray that 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 prayer that we've just been singing that um you know that you would be our everything, that you would be our delight, Lord. Uh, I pray that that would be true for us. I pray that um, yeah, the, the word today would be uh, timely for us, that your your spirit now would be at work in our hearts and our minds, and that we'd be drawn to your truth, the truth about who you are, the truth about um, an experience of grace uh, that we get to have in, in you and in your son, Jesus. And um, Lord, I pray that as we continue to dive into this story of Ruth, that we would be um, Yeah, encouraged and uh, filled with hope today, Um, even in the midst of difficult times. And so we just thank you for this in in your precious name. Amen. Okay. Thank you, team, for leading us. And um, what I want to encourage you as well. You know, I said last week we're moving through the Book of Ruth. Make sure you're reading it during the week so that you can follow along so that the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. Um, and and talking to you, and it's not just about what I can bring, okay? And so um, I think there's power in, in a, a whole group working through something together. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't started that yet, start reading through the Book of Ruth during the week and uh, seeing what God says to you, um, because we're going to journey through it. And so last week, we really uh, started off learning that this is set in the time of the Judges, the book of Ruth is, and um, we looked at how Elimelech and Naomi, with their two sons, moved to Moab, right? And so they, there was famine in the promised land, which is a pretty bad situation, and it usually means God's people need to call out to God and ask for help. But instead, Elimelech, whose name means my God is king, he, says that he, he, he kind of forgot that. And he, he took his situation to his own hands and he went to Moab, right, out of the promised land. They crossed the Jordan River. They left the place where God said he would provide for them. And, uh, and, he, and he thought, well, maybe there'll be greener pastures east of the Jordan River. <clears throat> and in the land of Moab, instead of finding a better life for themselves, they experience tragedy and suffering, don't they? So Elimelech dies in Moab, Naomi's husband. And... Um, Thankfully, she had two sons uh, to to care for her, provide for her, and they end up marrying Moabite women. And then after that happens, um, the two sons die as well. And so here's Naomi. Uh, she's she's uh, a foreigner in in this land where she's really probably um, you know not got much social standing. She's without a protector and a provider. And we and we kind of left it left ourselves hanging, didn't we, last week? Because we know that um, for Naomi, her experience up until that point, she couldn't see the good stuff that was ahead, right? And we know that for us in our lives, that can be the same um, experience. Something happens to us and we don't see the way God's going to bring good out of it, right? (laughs) Sometimes we just have to say, well, actually, life brings us suffering sometimes and, and we just have to go through moments of trusting in God right, despite what we're moving through. And so that was last week. Today's, and, and last week I called the message the sojourn, right, which is like a, a, a interesting word, it means like a short journey, um, and we called it that because Elimelech and Naomi sojourned to Moab, right, and end up settling there. And now, today's message is called the return, because Naomi is gonna return back to the promised land, right, and this is just like a, a just a cool thing, that's um it's kind of like the turning point in the story right we're, we're, we're heading back to the the land of promise good things are going to start happening and that's really where, where we end the the um end chapter one but what we're going to do we're going to start in uh from verse six in chapter one it says when naomi heard in moab that the lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So there you go, the return. They hear that there's uh, there's there's food in, and and God's come to the aid of His people. They they wanted to go back with her two daughters-in-law. She left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Judah, sorry. So um, you know they didn't have smartphones back then. I don't know how she got this word from From the land of Judah that that God's shown up, you know maybe she was texting her friends, maybe she was checking the weather app, saw that there'd been some good rain and uh you know is just just good good timing maybe um the news app made a little headline God's shown up in the promised land you know all this sort of stuff maybe that's how it happened and um, the famine in the promised land is over. maybe another judge was raised up by God and has delivered his people. We talked about that cycle that they went through in the book of Judges, right? Where it was like rebellion and sin, oppression, judgment, warring, famine would occur, difficulty would come upon God's people and then he'd raise up a deliverer and they'd be delivered into faithfulness and peace. And maybe, maybe something like that has occurred, right? And Naomi gets wind that this is, this is happening and she thinks, maybe I should head back home. And, um, you know, I think no matter how much we've been through, no matter how much struggle or difficulty or whatever way we're, we're moving through, it's never too late to go back to where we know God wants us to be. Hey, and I want to encourage maybe that's something for us to uh, take on board today. It's never too late to, to go back to the place where God said you should be. Maybe she thinks that her chances of survival in her homeland would be greater than in Moab, right? Maybe she thinks someone will take pity on her situation and she thinks maybe my fellow, uh, you know, people of Bethlehem might might help me out. And so off she goes, rode back to Bethlehem with her two daughters-in-law with her. Something that's worth... Um, You know, pointing out is that if the decision to leave Bethlehem was a real turning away from God, then the decision to return is a real decision to turn back to God. You know, she gets wind that God's moving and she's like, yep, this is where I need to be. And she's moving back. We actually see from Naomi, she doesn't ever lose faith in her suffering, but she has this pretty like dim view of like God is uh, God is the one who's bringing the suffering right and so it's a very interesting position to be in and we're going to talk about that um she doesn't lose faith in, in god but she just feels like everything's happened because of him and that's um that's an that's an experience she gets bitter towards god and that's something that we can feel in our lives as well at times let's keep uh let's keep reading verse 8 then naomi said to her two daughters in law go back each of you to your mother's home May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Sounds like a pretty good plan, right? Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So there you're starting to see a little bit of Naomi's attitude towards God. Even though um, they seem to have started out on the journey with her, somewhere along the way, maybe they're having a having a little stop for a rest. Naomi tries to convince Ruth and Orpah to go back to Moab right, and stay there. She doesn't want them to return to Bethlehem with her. And it seems like she's kind of saying don't you get it god's against me like th- th- things might get worse <laughs> she's trying to convince them and she's actually got that sense of like i have nothing to offer you and you you're better off without me and um when i first read through this passage and was praying over it that the the verse there that says i think it's in verse 11 am i going to have any more sons who could become your husbands she's saying like am I going to be able to offer you anything? And I felt like God said, I needed to pray into that more and and reflect on it. And I felt like we should dive into this attitude a little bit that Naomi has this sense of despair. Like she can't, she doesn't have anything to offer. um, Because I think it's an attitude I've experienced in my life. And maybe you can relate to it. Also, Naomi had reached a place where she didn't feel like she could offer anything to anyone. Right? She thought that if she wasn't able to provide anything valuable for her daughters-in-law, then they shouldn't come with her, right? which is really not true. <laughs> okay? It's the idea that I'm only worthy of the attention of others if I can make their life better right and that's not that's not a gospel attitude okay and if we believe this about ourselves then we might also believe the other side of that coin which is that i only want to spend time with someone else if they're going to add value to me okay and so i w- as i we're going to keep unpacking this idea because it 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 connects with the idea of grace and what the gospel means okay so while it's great to want to add value to other people's lives and it's great to to want to be around people who add value to us, there's a gospel attitude that challenges this idea um, and, and, the, and this place where Naomi, Naomi is at and I wonder if some of us might be experiencing this as well. We're actually going to see Ruth embody this gospel attitude and, and I think we need to embody the attitude that Ruth has so, so we're, we're going to move into this. It's the idea that we are valuable beyond what we can offer to others. Okay, we're, we're valuable beyond what we can offer to others. And other people are valuable beyond what they can offer to us. Okay, other people are, are worthwhile, worth our time, beyond what they can offer to us. Our church family is valuable beyond what we can produce for others to consume. Okay, okay. <laughs> Trying to help us get a picture of this. If we think our value as a church family is related to what we can produce for others to consume, then we've lost sight of God's love for us. Yeah? We've lost sight of the value of the life of each individual who calls this church family home. Yeah, if that's how we feel. If we feel like Gee, we're nothing special because we, we can't provide too much for others, that's not a gospel attitude. There's something There's something inherently wrong with that feeling, okay? It's not the feeling that God designed for his church to feel, whether together or, or in individually. Some of us only want to spend time with people who can give us what we want, right? And that's, that's, that's just not the case. That It's not how it should be, right? And we assume that people only want to be with us if we can provide something for them. Have you ever felt that, right? This is where Naomi is at. This is what she's feeling. I felt like God was saying we need to, we need to um, break out of this type of thinking. A gospel attitude sees value and worth in others, not because of uh, what we can get out of them, but because we know they're loved by God, yes. right? And they're a valuable human being <laughs> in and of themselves, right? Their life is valuable. All throughout the Bible, we see God encourages his people to spend time with certain people, right? And to care for these people, the, the widow, the orphan, the outsider, anyone who's oppressed, right? And, and and it's like dear to God's heart that we would spend time with these people. And it's, and it's these people who can't offer us anything, right? Especially in Jesus' day or in, in ancient Near East, like these people couldn't give us anything, and yet God says, these are the ones you need to care for and look out for and, and spend time with, right? And it seems that God knew there's more to relationship and more to community and more to church and more to, to a life of faith than, than what we can get out of something, right? And than, than what we can consume from someone. And I think that's what God's grace is. So we're getting a picture of grace. Ruth's action to actually not go back to Moab and to give up all of her security and go to Bethlehem, this is like an act of grace. Okay, it's a it's a gospel attitude. It's a gracious attitude. And the more I look at it, um, Naomi seemed unwilling to accept God's grace. You know, she she couldn't couldn't really see God's grace because she was bitter and upset and suffering. And that's that's fair enough. We get into those situations as well. But God was providing for her. You know, this this these two daughters-in-law who, who are willing to go with her. Um, I think I was going to share this at the end, but John Piper, he, he's got this quote where he says, God's always doing 10,000 things in our life and we usually only see three of them, right? And it's like, I feel like that's the situation with Naomi. God's doing all of this stuff behind the scenes and, and she can't even see you know, that Ruth and Orpah are like part of that story. Um, when we think we have to give back to others and actually match what they offer us like for like, then we're not experiencing God's grace, right? Naomi felt like, what could I give you? You know, and, and, and she's she wasn't able to experience God's grace in that. Okay, and so this is one of those things that... I i've been reflecting on grace a lot lately and i and i think it's one of those things where it's like um grace is supposed to be like a like a shock you know it's supposed to be like an unexpected like what you're kidding that's gonna that's what's gonna happen i got two stories to kind of flesh this out the um vivian asked me the other day she goes dad did jesus sin and i go uh nah he was he was perfect and she goes but he was a man I go, yeah. Well, here's the thing. He was a man, f- like fully, completely. But he was also completely God. And she was like, she goes like this. She goes, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like she was like, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, what? And her jaw dropped in in disbelief. And and I was able to like help her see that, yeah, that's what makes Jesus' death on the cross so special. Like he was without sin. He he was the only one who could do it. That's what like grace is, you know. And um, anyway, that was a cool little conversation. But I think our experience of God's grace can be a bit like this as well. We almost don't believe it, you know. We're sort of like, oh, like what? Like really? That 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 doesn't make sense. Um, another story I have of this, and which was a moment where I was kind of like, what? And I was experiencing God's grace in my life. Um, <clears throat> Two thousand and nine. It was Origin night, and um, I was going up to the church to watch uh, up to Hills Church to watch Origin, and I think I was I was leading the youth that that year had started leading youth, and so I'm excited to hang out with my friends. I'm racing home from work. It's pouring rain, and um, I lose control of my car, right? And I and I crash into some wheelie bins. And um, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that experience of crashing your car, but it's kind of like slow-mo, but happening really fast at the same time. And you can see the, the faces of the oncoming drivers, like, <laughs> like you know, they're all freaking out. So I hit some wheelie bins, and then I hit a power pole and a fence. And I'm kind of like up on the curb, facing the other way, and it's all a bit crazy. And I was fine, um, and thankfully, and, uh, you know, this this poor lady whose house was... The one that i crashed into she comes out and she's like abusing me and all this and i'm like i'm so sorry and the whole street's out and all this anyway long story short tow truck tows my uh tows my um car back to my house which was not far away and um it's just left on the lawn there and i'm pretty devastated because it was like my car which i liked and you know this sort of thing and um, there goes my freedom and I got to tell, call my parents who were in Roma at the time and explain to them what happened and borrow a friend's car and all this terrible stuff. And I missed out on the start of Origin and so <laughs> it just sad as well. Anyway, all that to say, all that to say, um, one of the guys at the church, Dave Power, some of you might know him, he um, hears about the story and... And, and he really liked my car, right, and so <laughs> the one I crashed, so he says, look, I want to come and um, I want to buy your car for you because I want to fix it up, and I, I want your car, you know what I mean, so he saw a bit of an opportunity, and uh, yeah, cool, no worries, he gave me like 500 bucks for it because it was pretty much written off, and he, he went and uh, put all this work in over the next month or so to fix it up, and then um, one Sunday at church, he, he comes up to me, and says, hey, look, he's like, he's like, look, I I don't even wanna do this, but I just feel like God's telling me to give you your car back. And I was like It's like what? <laughs> you know? And he's like he's like, Yep, it's yours. Here's the keys back, we'll sort out the, the rego form later or whatever. And I was like blown away, you know what I mean? And that's the experience of God's grace. Right? I didn't deserve it. I I should have been smarter, right? I shouldn't have been speeding in the wet. I um, should have been more careful. I uh, I really should have paid him money for that because he put the effort into buy parts and fix it and re-register it and all of that. But God's grace in our life can only be received in that way. Like if we feel like we have to match it, or we feel like, gee, God, um, you know, that it's fine that you sent your Son Jesus to die on the cross for me because I'm gonna be able to offer you this and that and do all of this stuff for you, you know? I'll pay you back, God, you know what I mean? But you can't, that's not the way grace works, yeah? And so Naomi is in this space where she just feels like she has to offer something to people. And it's, a, and it's not a gospel attitude, it's not the attitude or the posture that the church should be in. We shouldn't be a church that feels like we have to pay God back, that's, that's not grace. And so Naomi was having a problem with receiving God's grace, even in a time when she needed it most. And usually it's a time when you're suffering, you've been through a tough time, you feel like maybe a bit of bitterness towards God. How could this be happening to me? And that can blur and and confuse our ability to receive God's grace in our life. We, we, we miss the 10,000 things, even the three things that God is doing right? To to resurrect our situation, redeem our situation. And so that's Naomi's attitude. We're going to see Ruth's attitude, which is like the opposite side of this, okay? And I wonder, I want us to be reflecting on where are we at with this? What's our attitude like? Uh, Verse 14, at this, so what is this? Um, This is, uh, wait, let me scroll back here. Okay, so Naomi's trying to, uh, trying to convince them to go back and it says, at this, they wept aloud again, right? So she's just giving them their, their spiel, you know, I don't deserve to have you guys come. I can't offer you anything. It says, at this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her, Ruth clung to her. if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And I imagine that the the trip back to Bethlehem was like silence, you know what I mean? Naomi's just like annoyed at the grace God's offering her through through Ruth, the Moabite, you know? And she's just frustrated and walking back. Orpah, she was like, yeah, you're probably right. This will be better for me, I'll go back home. And she does that, and she kind of just falls off the, the pages of Scripture. Ruth, on the other hand, she's determined to stay, right? She seems to be taking a more narrow path, right? And, and one that I believe embodies this gospel attitude. Ruth's decision to stay with Naomi is, like, really significant, and we, and we can kind of skip over the, the significance of it, but I want to try and help us, uh, you know, understand it. The words of Ruth here are like marriage vows, like really significant and um, it's a sign of deep loyalty. You would have even like re- heard them read out at weddings sometimes, like these words. I think my, my brother at his wedding, they had, a, they had these, some of these words of these verses printed out, right, because it's a sign of deep loyalty and commitment to one another. It was a decision to leave the security of a home in Moab um, where she could have started a new life with a new husband. Right? She gave that up. Instead, she counted the cost and felt that leaving everything she'd ever known for the sake of journeying with Naomi was worthwhile. And um, there was uh, one of the commentators said, Ruth knew that she'd be about as welcome in Bethlehem as a ham sandwich at a bar mitzvah. Right? (laughs) Like, not very welcome. (laughs) Like, um, I thought that was pretty funny. The The gospel teaches us that people are worthy of our time even if there are struggles in in doing the journey with them, right? That's Ruth's attitude. A gospel attitude says someone is worthy of our dedication and commitment and loyalty and friendship, even if it is going to cost me my security, my comfort, my future, my energy, my time, my money, my resources, like insert whatever you want. And we're not taught this anywhere else except the gospel of grace, right? Jesus... You know, that, that uh that passage I read out of Ephesians two, like God in his grace saw us e and, and, and came came to earth, like even when we're dead in our transgressions and our sin, right? And that's and it was nothing of ourselves, it was grace. The other thing to note about Ruth's decision was that it was a faith decision for her as well, right? Somehow or other, in this whole experience of mar- marrying um one of Naomi's sons, and, and, and seeing Naomi's faith, no doubt, even lived out in Moab, she's become, she, she's basically being converted, right? She's expressing a confession of faith in, in the God of Israel. She says, your people are now my people. Your God is now my God, and it's, and it's, a, and it's a confession of faith in Israel's God. She seems to be saying, the reason I belong to you and I'm coming with you is because I belong to your people and your God now. Your God is my God, so I'm yours, right? And and this is, again, an expression of the gospel that we gain from life in the church, too. It's the belief that because we each share in the life of Jesus and we've each experienced His grace in our life, we now join in the struggle of life with one another, right? It's like she Ruth understood that. She was like, man, she, she's experienced God in some way, just like we have, we experience God's grace. And out of that, we go, wow, I can, I can join the struggle um, that others are going through. <clears throat> Exercising our faith in Jesus is lived out as we dive into the mess of each other's lives, right? And that's what Ruth is doing. So a couple of points of application here. <clears throat> is God asking you to count the the cost and take on this gospel attitude with someone in your life? Is, is God asking you to be like Ruth for a Naomi, right? Is there someone in your life who seems to be empty and bitter even, you know, and you just know they're going through a difficult time, they've got a long way to go and you feel like, gee, this is gonna cost me, but I should do it, right? Do you feel drawn to give yourself to them anyway? Because that's that's only possible. It's only possible for us to feel that way if we've experienced God's grace first, right? And I think an experience of God's grace is what makes it possible to leave the comfort of Moab, right? It makes an experience of God's grace where you realize God's given up everything for you, that's what makes it possible for us to give up everything for others, yeah? So I wonder if God's inviting you to do that. And it might even... You know, what God is asking you to do might even make you go, what? <laughs> like, do I have to do that? And and I think uh, that might be the case. I want to encourage you to do that. Others of us might li- like to seek out a change of heart, right? Maybe we're a bit more like Naomi in our attitude toward others. And even in our view of ourselves, Right? Maybe we feel like we're not really worthy of the support of others when, when it's offered to us. And yet God's inviting us to open ourselves up to it today. Maybe we think we've made too many mistakes, right? Maybe we, we can't help um, but but uh, we, or we can't help letting go of that idea that we shouldn't have left the promised land in the first place. You know, maybe there's some things we're not willing to forgive of ourselves and it makes it too hard to accept grace from others right because we can't give anything in return um we feel undeserving but that's not a gospel attitude sometimes god just wants you to receive right receive a gift and receive grace and just accept it and and you might go what <laughs> but but that's that's the gospel that's that's <laughs> grace he wants you to just receive something from him sometimes he's he's a father who knows how to give good gifts to his children right so let's finish chapter one. It says, so the two women, this is Naomi and Ruth, went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Can this be Naomi? Like you can imagine that small town. Like when I go back to Gander for a visit, it's like everyone who I knew, like recognizes me straight away. I stand out as like, you know, they know my car, um, that sort of thing. And they'll come up to you in the street, hey, it's Chappie Scott, if it's someone from the high school or, or Pastor Scott, if it's someone from church or whatever, and they, and they come and talk to you. And, and you could imagine it's a bit like that, small town, Bethlehem. Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. <laughs> Naomi means pleasant, remember? She says don't call me naomi call me mara and mara means bitter because the almighty has made my life very bitter i went away full but the lord has brought me back empty why call me naomi the lord has afflicted me the almighty has brought misfortune upon me and um, and that's, that's sort of the end of her words. And it says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And so um, something we see happening in Naomi, I kind of alluded to this before, but it 's like God is starting to turn the the pages over into something new and fresh, right The barley harvest is beginning it 's like this this sense of um, something good is 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 coming, and you know her daughter in law is now part of the community of israel, like believes in her god that 's a good thing they 're back in Bethlehem the famine is over that 's a good thing, and she can 't see these few little good things because of her poor attitude. Right. She's a bit like the prodigal son coming back to the father, except rather than brokenness, she's got bitterness. Right. And so um, I wonder how easily we might miss out on God's grace at work in our lives because we feel a bit bitter about something, you know, and I think it might be opportunity for us to to let go of that bitterness today, you know, let go of a bit of that sense of God, why did you do this? You know, (laughs) And, and and a sense in which maybe we could pray, God, can you help me see the good stuff? Help me to see your grace at work, even, even though there's all this terrible stuff that's happened as well. So plenty of ways to respond um, today, and I want to encourage you to do that. And um, yeah, we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this story. Um, Lord, these two attitudes of... Uh, of um you know bitterness and grace uh you know this this the idea of naomi 's attitude where she 's not able to experience your grace because of what she 's been through, I pray that that'd be lifted off of us as a church um, as individuals and corporately together there 'd be a sense in which we could just go um, searching for your grace for those for that we 'd be able to find a few of the the many thousands of things that you 're doing in our life and that we'd be able to experience your grace um, for what it is, uh, for the shock that it is. I pray that you'd shock us with your grace, Lord, that we'd be reminded of how how gracious you are. And um, even in the midst of trial and pain and suffering and difficulty and and uh, whatever else life throws at us, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to never lose lose sight of your grace. Help us to be gracious people as well help us to be willing um to to do a journey with others um even though it it just seems like it's going to be difficult it's going to be inconvenient for us it's going to be um you know uh it's going to mean um you know uh letting go of our comforts letting go of maybe maybe our plans or the way we thought life was going to be and uh Yeah, help us to be generous in in grace, um, Lord. Father, we just uh, commit ourselves to you today in your precious name. Amen.